games in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed, the lights out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. What's up? Welcome into the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I am Jonathan Hood. Basketball is hood as we talk about free agent frenzy time in the NBA. DraftKings is so good to us, so we want you to be good to them. Download the app as we have our podcast here today as I record this on Monday evening. As we talk about the NBA and free agency, we're going to have a couple of special guests here to talk about free agency. Andre Stellings, our guy from ESPN, is going to be with us. Also looking for a special guest to join us as well. But the big news, not just in Chicago but everywhere, is that Lonzo Ball is a Chicago Bull. A trade that took place earlier on Monday as Lonzo Ball gets a four-year, $85 million contract from the Bulls. The Pelicans acquired Thomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, and a second-round draft pick. Shout out to Thomas Sadoransky for being kind of a, a glue guy for a team that was kind of underachieving. Sadoransky played a couple positions for the Bulls as he did with the Wizards. He moves on. Garrett Temple was a solid pro. Uh, but Lonzo Ball, I'm looking forward to the alley oops now. From Ball to Levine, that is outstanding. That is going to be a great one two punch for the Bulls. And the thing I like so much is that it wasn't like hand wringing consternation, oh, should we do this, should we not? I love the aggressiveness of our tourist Connor Shelvis and Mark Eversley to say, yeah, we need a lead guard, and so we're going to trade for one now. It's It's been rumored for a while, but Lonzo Ball and the Bulls are a fit. So I'll say it out loud. Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Daniel Tice, uh, Pat Williams, and Vucevic. So Vucevic is a walk in 2010. You know that Ball can be able to make others better. You know that Levine can give you 20, 30 points tonight if he has to. Tice is solid on the inside. Patrick Williams is developing as a young player from Florida State. He's going to be in his second year. So I don't know if this iteration of the Bulls are going to win a championship or not. All I know is that it's good that the Bulls struck first because not just in Chicago, everyone's saying, oh, the Bulls are quick. As soon as the free agency frenzy started, here come the Bulls with Lonzo Ball. So I think that that's going to be solid. I'm going to talk to my guy Andre Stellings from ESPN about it. But just so you know, for those of you listening on Spotify and and subscribing there or the Cap and J-Hood podcast feed on the ESPN Chicago app or however you get in this podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anything else, subscribe. Because not just for the draft, not just for, for free agency, we will continue to have NBA content here. So if you're picking me up for the first time, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get this podcast, that way you're never missing an episode of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Let me call Snellings, get his thoughts about ball and also some of the other movement that took place earlier on Monday for NBA free agency. Time to talk to my guy Andre Snellings from ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Breaks down the numbers for us, give us his thoughts, and also was part of the NBA playoff and finals coverage on ESPN Radio. A friend of the program, he joins us on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. Professor, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm curious.
serious? Am I doing as good as you? You know, like uh, you got in your, your, your free agent. Is, is, is that what you were hoping for? Oh, yeah. You need a lead guard, right? And so I'm totally good with this as far as someone that could be able to harness the offense. And, and, and I, I look at Zoe as someone that can make this offense better. Remember, the Bulls you know, we're dealing with Sadoransky as a guy that can play multiple positions, but not as dynamic of what ball can bring. So I, I want to turn to you and ask you, um, from a number standpoint, from a production standpoint, how does uh, Lonzo Ball fit into this Bulls team? Yeah, so I've always been a big ball fan. Um, I, I saw him for the first time play really legitly in the summer league um, after after he got drafted. And his game, to me, it was always really impressive. He's not flashy. He's not going to come in and score 30. That's not who he is. But he's just that dude. You know, the, the Jason Kidd comparisons came a lot, which made sense because he kind of resembles Kidd, you know, size-wise, you know, complexion-wise, all that stuff. And, and he's a passable first guard, too. <laughs> yes. But I, I think it, it it's kind of apt, you know. Um, I think that, that at his best, Lonzo could push to lead the league in assists. I mean, I think he has that kind of talent. He's got this excellent height for for a guard. And then he's, you know, he's good at setting up the team. So you were asking about numbers. One of the numbers that, that jumps out at me, I always really like to look at the um, the impact stats, the plus-minus stats. And in ESPN's real plus-minus, Lonzo Ball was actually third in the NBA among point guards last year in, in real plus-minus, which is trying to estimate essentially – how much of a team's scoring margin can be tied directly to the presence or absence of, of a single player. So among point guards last season, this was the, the, the real plus minus order. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Lonzo Ball, Mike Conley, Cal Lowry. You know, so uh, among the players on that list, Ball is the only one that's never been an all-star. You know, obviously the, the top two were an MVP and an MVP candidate. So um, you, you can't put all of your your you know, your weight into any one given stat. But this isn't nothing. You know, it's an indication that as his career is going along, he's learning how to run teams. He's learning how to make a big impact on the court, even while not being a huge scorer. And potentially playing next to Zach Levine, who is a huge scorer, I think the two of them could really mesh well together as a, a kind of a backcourt for the future for the Bulls. What did you think of the combination of Zion and Ball working together with the Pelicans? You know, Zion, well, as I pointed out, you know, Ball's impact on, on the Pelicans last season was really positive. Um, but in the long term, I think that for Zion to be maximized, because he's a unique guy, right? He, 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 he makes the highlight reels with his dunks, but he's actually a little undersized for his position. And so, and, and that shows up defensively a lot of times. So I think for Zion to be maximized, they really need to move him to kind of a point-forward type of role, in my opinion. They, they did some of that last year. They give him the ball up top, let him, you know, try to break his man down off the dribble and really dive to the rim. If the other team commits, then he could kick out for an easy jumper. Um, and Ball was knocking down threes at, like, a, a pretty crazy rate last year. He was shooting more than eight a game, and he was making about three, about 38% of games. I mean, that's a really good percentage. And so I think Zion was able to utilize that aspect of him but if you were letting Zion and also Brandon Ingram uh, handle the ball a lot for, for the Pelicans, if they're handling the ball, that means that Lonzo isn't. 
And that's where he's really, in my opinion, best. So I think that fit was maybe not perfect long term. But on the Bulls, where I think Lonzo can really be come in and be the floor general, I think that uh, he, he fits a little bit better next to a score that scores like Levine does, like Vucevic does, as opposed to how Zion really needs to handle the ball. So this sounds like uh, Ball, Levine, along with um, Pat Williams, Vucevic, and Daniel Tice, uh, as far as the, a possible starting five, how do you like all those five guys working together? Because there's a couple of veterans there and a young player at Williams who's 20. Yeah, so I will say, I mean, and it's only rumors. I, I've been seeing rumors that the Tice might be headed to Houston. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, if he's there, I think there's some some pretty cool balance in the lineup in the sense that Levine and Vucevic are both high volume scorers. Ball last year he had his career averaged his career high about fifteen a game, but you know he's able to put some points on the on the board. Williams was a rookie. He'll presumably I think he'll probably be a scorer about like Lonzo how Lonzo is, but more than that it, it's that you've got you know two heavy scorers and, and a mid range scorer, and then you've kind of got a defender at every other position too. You know, Tease I was talking about Lonzo's real plus minus. A couple years ago for, for Boston, Tease was like the poster child for, for, for plus minus because he, he was among the league leaders in defensive, you know, real plus minus. And people were like, well, where did this guy come from? But he's, he's a really solid defensive role playing big man. So with him, Williams and Lonzo, you could have the, the foundation of both a, a, a really good offense as well as a really good defense, you know, in that starting five. But again, I'm not, I'm not positive if, if he'll still be there, but um, I kind of like how it meshes. I don't think that – I remember once when I was on this show before, um, before Vucevic, you were asking about Levine and re- whether he should be resigned and whether he can be the, the, the best player on a champion. Right. And, you know, we, we discussed that and we talked about how I think he's a really good player – but I don't necessarily put him in the class with the Giannis's and the Durant's, you know, the guys that are going to lead the team to a championship. But I think he can be the best player on a really good team. And I feel like Vucevic came in and is at like a similar level. So they have like two, you know, really goods instead of one megastar. And I feel like Lonzo Ball, he comes in and, and kind of, meshes with them because he runs the team he can make them the best that they can be so i don't know that i see this bulls team as constituted like they're about to be challenging for the title but i think they could be challenging say like the hawks and the knicks you know that 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 teams that are trying to be the next man up you know to, to break into that next level i could see the bulls competing you know potentially for um maybe a, a four or five seed trying to get you know, solidly into the playoffs with, with the upside of, of trying to get one round of home court advantage. I think this team has the the, the ability to mesh into that for this season. The other question is about uh, Laurie Markin and Dre, because I don't know what his future is, too. It's one thing for the Bulls to start off free agency and say, okay, we're going to trade for Lonzo Ball. The other thing is, is Laurie Markin's future. You and I have talked about him a number of times here. I, I just think the injuries and then the lack of shooting prowess and inconsistency may strike him being elsewhere or having a lesser role. What, what do you think of his future with the Bulls? Yeah, you know, Markkanen's rookie season, I was pretty high on him. You know, like, it's interesting, like, the, the injuries have obviously uh, 
been a big negative for his development so far. But it's interesting that as you describe him, you describe a lack of shooting and lack of shooting consistency because that's what I thought he was. That 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 rookie season, I thought that if nothing else, he would always have that shot that he would be able to be a volume scorer um, with, with range at the four. So that type of player, if if he were what I thought he was going to be. I could see him fitting in and having a future, but as you point out, he, he's kind of regressed from where he started as far as on-court play and the, and the injuries. At some point, they take enough of a toll that it's, it's hard to see moving past that. So from what I understand, um, he he could leave as a free agent this offseason as well. Um, and if he does, I guess the hope would be for the Bulls that, that maybe if they could sign and trade him, they might be able to get some value back for him. But if he stays on the team, a guy like Lonzo, I will say, would be what you would expect to get the most out of him because he would be a floor general that would know where Laurie's spots are, know where he wants to shoot the ball. And so if he sticks around, I could see him being better on a team run by Lonzo Ball than he was on a team without really a legitimate point guard presence. Do you understand, Dre, why... Players just want to sometimes just leave teams. Just like, you know what? I like it here. I like the city. I like the fans. But if a general manager or if a team does not have a commitment to winning or there's no clear-cut plan, this is why some players like to leave. Like, Zion Williamson is one of the brighter stars in our league that we cover. And it's kind of like, okay, so if I'm asking David Griffin, who I've done shows with on SiriusXM NBA Radio, I got a chance to know a little bit you know, between gigs. I just I don't understand the two coaches in two years. You don't really have a lot around Zion, and uh, the the conventional wisdom is, oh, you're going to lose him anyway because it's that market. Well, you could change that narrative if you're just trying to be able to uh, cobble players around Zion to make the team better, even in a tough West. Like I don't understand what the Pelicans' plan is for the, like the next couple of years. Yeah, um, you know, David Griffin, obviously, he had a lot of success um, before he came to the Pelicans, and presumably he has a plan. You know, things like get losing Lonzo for not a lot of compensation would seem from the outside to run counter to that notion. Um, I will say that, that the two coaches in two years, there there was a lot of buzz that, you know, Coach Van Gundy wasn't really giving them what they thought he should have had gave. It's bad hire. Bad hire. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, it just wasn't it, it wasn't fitting. And that, that, as you pointed out, the key to all of this is Zion. And, and I, you know, I never heard Zion say anything publicly, but there was buzz that Zion's family wasn't happy with, with you know, how he was being used and what, what, for whatever that's worth. The point is, I could see Griffin saying, you know what, we have to move on you know, to a better coaching situation. Um, as far as personnel goes, I did like their trade for, for Jonas Valanciunas. I thought that, that that was an upgrade at center for them. Um, I think that, that not only is, is, is Big V a, a, a really big center, which I think works well next in, in some ways next to Zion because Zion's a little undersized for his position, but also he's more of an aggressive offensive scorer as opposed to, um, you know, the man he replaced, Steven Adams, who was more of just kind of a, a defensive role player. So I, I, I liked them bringing him in. Um, with Zion and Brandon Ingram, they still got a lot of talent at the forward position. You know, they let Lonzo go for, for not a lot, but 
I think they're really high on uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's the the next man up, if you will, in the backcourt for, for the Pelicans. He's going into his third season, and he's another one that I saw in Vegas. So the year that Zion was a rookie, he only played one summer league game in Vegas. And I, it was an impressive game. I think he dunked like five times. He snatched the ball from Kevin Knox and, and dunked and, and it was impressive. And then there was an earthquake right after that. And, and <laughs> his, his knee was hurt and he didn't play anymore for the rest. So it was a really tumultuous one game for Zion. But after that, there were two other lottery rookies or, or, or high first round rookies on that team. And, and they were Alexander Walker and um, Jackson Hayes. And so after Zion wasn't playing anymore, they weren't getting the press. But um, they still had some really impressive showings in that summer league, especially Alexander Walker. Like, I came out of that, you know, I was in Vegas. I actually put a little bit of money on, I think Alexander Walker was like 100 to 1 or 200 to 1 for rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think he would really be rookie of the year. But I thought that if he was in the right situation, he had the game to be rookie of the year. You know, he, he really impressed me as kind of a smooth scorer, combo guard. Um, and so I saw that then. Well, then last season as a sophomore, he comes out and in his first start of the season, he drops 37 points and eight rebounds. And I think he started a handful of games over the course of the season. And he had a, a, a few games where he was flirting with 30. So I think they are looking to him to be a dynamic backcourt presence for them. But bringing it full circle where you started, when you're dealing with a player like Zion Williamson, you would think the plan should be to really go all in and, and try to show that, that, that this organization is ready to win. And depending on young players and, and role players out of trades is, is kind of a dicey way to do that. Okay, a couple of quick hitters for you. Just your initial reaction, because I want to go through five or six deals that took place on Monday. I want to get your thoughts about uh, Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat. What do you think? I think it, it fits personality-wise. Um, Cal Lowry, a few times we've, we've talked about uh, real plus-minus today. Cal Lowry has been a real plus-minus king. You know, he, he's been one of the, the higher-impact players in the NBA for the last five to six years. So him going down to Miami, where they already have a team that, you know, it's been less than a full year since they were in the NBA Finals. So I don't think that he comes in and all of a sudden jumps them up above Milwaukee or Brooklyn or whatnot. But I think it's a step in the right direction. And if they're able to make another smart move this offseason, they could be right back in the mix. Tim Hardaway Jr. staying with Dallas. You know, I don't think that's a huge deal. I think he's um, a, a good scorer. And he ended the, the regular season really on a run. And I think that that it helps for the Mavericks to keep around a, a player that they can produce. But I think that if they want to go to the next step, um, they, they need to figure out exactly what it is that Luka needs and wants and, um, and, and, and try to deliver that player. I think Hardaway Jr. is a nice keep, but I don't think he's going to get them to that next level. Mike Conley staying with Utah. That I like. Um, Conley, when he's healthy, is quietly one of the better point guards in the NBA. I was glad that it, it took injury subs, but I was glad he got to be an all-star last season. You know, it was a long time coming. And there's a reason, you know, the Jazz were the number one seed, but they got upset. Part of the reason they got upset in the playoffs is because Conley wasn't healthy. Um, when he's healthy, he gives them an entirely different dimension. So um, I, I was glad to see him stay there, and, and maybe that'll help them uh, uh, keep Donovan Mitchell and, and go for another run. God bless Chris Paul. 
God bless him. I mean, come on, Dre. I mean, come on, man. He's I mean, getting still getting that big money, hey. staying with Phoenix, man. I can't hate it, man. But I'm just that's just hey. amazing. That's amazing. When that man turned down one year for forty five million dollars, you knew he knew something, right? <laughs> like, like, like you don't turn that down unless you are sure something good is coming. So I'm happy for that man. You know, coming out of North Carolina, that's where my grandmama from. Uh-huh. You know, I, I used to work work at Duke, so you know, I love to see that man come out come out the tobacco fields and and represent. You know, he everywhere he goes, the team just gets better. You know, so I mean, hey. He's going to be cashing $50 million paychecks when he's 40 years old. I'm like, go ahead, do that, bro. I mean, like, I thought that we'd be done with, like, you know, like a, a Chris Paul type. Like, when he's done, like, who fits the bill? There might be some numbers that you could crunch that be against this signing at his advanced age and sometimes injury. But you just know when he's healthy, more times than not, he's just going to give you a solid effort. We saw that in the finals, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, now, if I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, I'm a little nervous because, I mean, keeping it real, he got dang near a max contract that's going to still be paying him that money when he's 40. And the last deal he was on, you know, it was thought to be a bad deal just as soon as, like, two years ago, right? Like, when he was in Houston and and he, he, he got injured uh, in that, that season where I really think they would have won a championship had he not gotten injured. And then the next season he was dealing with injuries and the team didn't have as much success – and I just remember that offseason, there was all this hand ring, like, you know, Chris Paul has the most untradeable contract in the NBA. You know, what what what, what can the Rockets do to, to, to get rid of him? And now you fast forward two years, and like you said, he's one of the most sought-after players in the league again in, in another nine-figure deal. So I'd be a little nervous, but at the same token, the team was just in the finals. You know, it's, it's hard to let that walk away. Um, and, and if you did let that walk away, it will be really hard to justify, especially if the team doesn't get back there. At least now they can say we swung at it. You know, maybe even if we swing and miss, at least we took a swing. So I called my guy Emmett Golden from ESPN Cleveland. I said, what's up with this Jared Allen five-year, $100 million deal? He goes, oh, you know, it's a, he said, you know, he told me, he goes, oh, that's a contract we can move at some point. I'm like, for real? <laughs> for real? Five years, $100 million for Jared Allen? Seriously? Yeah. That, that, if, if that's a contract you can move, it, it, it's in the last year when he's an expiring. Um, <laughs> you know, I like Jared Allen a lot um, as a player. I, I like his energy. I like his athletic ability. I like what he's able to, to contribute on the court. And it's funny to say, but in in NBA terms, $20 million a year isn't really that much money for a starting big man. Yeah. It's crazy to say because it's Monopoly money, if you say it out loud. But just before this conversation, I was uh, on a Zoom with my mom and my auntie and the family, and I was kind of telling them the different numbers that people were signing for. And my mom goes, you know, this could make me a jealous person. She's like, if you add up all the money I made in 45 years of teaching, it ain't going to add up to any of these types of millions. And so in real-world terms, that you know, you, you see $100 million for a guy like Jared Allen, you're like, Wow. But in NBA terms, $20 million for a young starting caliber center that is, you know, really still on the rise, as long as he doesn't get injured, he'll probably end up, you know, uh, uh, playing up to value uh, on that Cavs team. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, this has just been really great. I'll tell you one thing, Dre, as I let you go, I um, I would not give the uh, government codes to you know, our president or people in the White House, I'd give it to Kawhi Leonard's camp. 
I, I oh, think yeah. you could trust him with the coach, man, because I have no idea what Kawhi's thinking. I have no – he's an unrestricted free agent now. I don't know. He, he could he sign with Oklahoma City. It wouldn't surprise me. Like, he's that dude, right? <laughs> Seriously, like I, like, I, like, I would trust him with the codes more so than our government because it's the unknown. Yeah. I don't know what's a fit for him. I, have, I don't know what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously it just fits his whole personality. Like, I can't hear Kawhi's name now. I don't know if you remember the, in, in the finals. I actually tweeted about it when it happened. I think it was Mike Green. Somebody was announcing the game. And the Clippers were on a comeback, and you know they were down by maybe fifteen or twenty points, and they had went on a run, and they had cut it to three, and the crowd was going wild. So it was in L.A., and they flashed to Kawhi in the stands, and he's sitting there completely stone faced, not moving at all. <laughs> right. And the announcer is like, "Kawhi Leonard's going crazy." <laughs> and, 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 like that that one scene to me sums up his whole existence. Like you know, to your point, there, there's no way. He, you know he's not going to tell anybody anything, and apparently he's surrounded by people that are just like him. So I, I think that just financially it makes sense. Okay, if you take the injury away, financially it would make sense for him to opt out, sign another one-and-one deal, and then kind of opt out again, and I think next season sign um, you know, a, a super max deal. Like that, that would be the way that he could get the most money if he stayed in Los Angeles. So my assumption is that that's what he's going to do. I mean, he's, he's been in L.A. for the Clippers um, for two years. He's from L.A. He wanted to go there. He, you know, wanted Paul George to come with him, and he wanted to compete for a title. And really, this season, had he not gotten hurt, there's a, a reasonable chance that they could have won one. So I, I don't see why he would leave at this point. I think it's just about trying to maximize the – the, the financial, you know, in, uh, impact uh, uh, in his pocketbooks. And, and he does have the injury, but I think he's confident enough that, you know, if he wants to come back to the Clippers on a, a max short-term deal, they're going to sign him because they don't want to lose him. So I'm expecting him to be there, but it's not because he told me or anybody else did because clearly they're not telling anybody anything. Professor Driz, as always, I appreciate it. Don't forget to go to ESPN.com as Andre Stellings writes the, the column, Doug McDermott, three years, 42 million. Does Pop know? Does Pop know? That'll be the next column that he wrote. <laughs> yeah, hey, be my hero. I want three years, 42 million. Ahead, Pop's in Tokyo. He has no idea that that deal took place. What the hell? Boy, Bartlestein's a great agent, boy, I swear. I mean, that's he's making his money there. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich <laughs> Paul is, 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 is probably the only one better. <laughs> <laughs> As always, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Let's talk again soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. There he is, our guy Andre Snellings from ESPN.com. Go to the ESPN.com fantasy page. Look toward the NBA. He's got great columns, great information about the draft, and also uh, NBA free agency. He's a great uh, follow Professor Driz, Professor DRZ. Follow him. He's always got great information, analytical information when it comes uh, to the NBA. We're not done because this is free agency frenzy, right? So let's find out more about Lonzo Ball. What are the Bulls getting in Lonzo Ball? I'm going to see if I can call Joel Myers, the veteran voice of the New Orleans Pelicans and my colleague on Sirius XM NBA Radio. I'm going to find out from Joel. 
what we can expect from Lonzo Ball. And don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Hey, listen, DraftKings does great things for us. That's why we have this platform to talk NBA. So check out DraftKings. As we have our conversation with Joel, check out DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Download the app, look around, see if there's something for you. There's always great deals at DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. And there he is, the veteran voice of the New Orleans Pelicans and my colleague on SiriusXM NBA Radio. It is Joel Myers. He joins me here on Under the Hood. As always, I appreciate it, Joel. Thanks for giving me some of your time. Anytime. Good time for Chicago Bulls fans. Absolutely. Uh, you know what I like is that there's no consternation. There's no hand-wringing Joel. It's it's the Bulls with Arturis, Karnaschelvis, and Mark Eversley. As soon as the bell rings, immediately the trade for Lonzo Ball. So I want to get your thoughts on what you remember about Lonzo being with the Pels. Well, just his significant improvement over the two years, especially with the stroke and the point where last year, obviously, across the board, his numbers were the best uh, they've ever been in his young career. Now, he's only turning 24, so there's a lot of room for improvement, and when I bring that up, I I think of consistency more than anything else, because he's a talented young guy. There's no question about that. Would you think of the one-two punch of Zion and Lonzo? Do you feel that they meshed well? Well, yeah, but uh, it it wasn't just because Brandon Ingram, you've got to remember, was the the highest scorer on the team. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Zion took over, and the two of them collaborated pretty well. Lonzo is the type of guard who's going to advance it, advance it very effectively. And and the thing I liked about Lonzo the most was he looked up the floor. He he didn't look down at all. As soon as he touched the ball and he got it, whether it was after a make and they threw it into him, he was looking ahead. So he had great court vision, great court awareness. So the one thing when you say, did he mesh with Zion? Yeah, nobody threw uh, like the court pass like yeah. he did to Zion. But at the same time, there's more to the game than that, as we both know. Yeah, so, you know, and, and by the way, Joel Myers, and Joel, you should be able to trademark the term lead guard. You're the first to ever say that because we've used point guard for a long time. You've used lead guard. And that's something the Bulls have really needed. It's nothing against Sadoransky, but I think the one-two punch, having Levine and uh, and Ball on the floor together, that could work. How, how do you see those two working together? Well, the good thing about Lonzo is he doesn't dominate the basketball. Mm-hmm. Because Zach has got a great handle. Zach is gifted, all NBA already. So hopefully they'll get a deal done. I know Zach's involved with the Olympic team right now. Mm-hmm. But Zach is the future of your franchise. So he is the face of your franchise. I think they'll work well together because Lonzo doesn't need the basketball. He's become a catch-and-shoot guy. Look at it this way. Uh, when he got to the Pels... He totally adjusted his stroke. And a lot of guys won't do that. They won't make that kind of change. Uh, I've done it this long, and it's gotten me to this point. We're a second overall pick. So I give him credit for making the change. But at the same time, he needed more versatility in his game. Uh, out of his, what, 700 shots last year, Jonathan, about 450 were threes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, so that's a positive. The balance overall will be better as he gets older. It's only going to be, as we mentioned, he's just turning 24 in the upcoming season. So it, it, 
it'll be a process. He'll he'll grow, and his game will grow. It's interesting. The parallel that some have made about Zach Levine is that this is the new era Reggie Theus in that you remember when Reggie was here, you know, Reggie was everything before the Jordan era. He was doing the scoring. The team wasn't very good. So I'm wondering how much this elevates the Bulls now, because now we're talking about uh, a young Pat Williams, Vucevic, who's a walking 2010, Levine, Ball, and I, I, we imagine marketing. We're not sure about that yet. Or Daniel Tice, who could be traded also. So it's it's an interesting mix. At least there's um, there's a semblance of talent there. Well, that's not going to be a problem. You paid eighty five million, so they better be talented. Mm-hmm. You gave them four for eighty five. Uh, the one thing I'd like to see grow more than anything else, maybe Alonzo's game, is getting to the cup and getting to the free throw line. In 55 games last year, he had only 64 free throw attempts. So, barely a little over one a game. And, and then there was the problem shooting free throws early, early in his career. But that was not an issue for him at all. Last year, when he got there, he hit 78%, by far a career high. Uh, the year before, it was only 57%. It was almost like he was allergic. He was trying to stay away from the foul line. But I think the overall confidence in his stroke from the outside led to better free throw mechanics and, and the relaxation. It, it, he just grew overall at the line as well. I would love to have seen him get to the line more, and I think you guys will see that. It's a big, he's a big guard to begin with. So that's why I bring up 450 out of 700 when it comes to triples because he can shoot over guys, post up and, and on an elbow or a baseline, go over a guy and take a 15-footer. It, it's you don't have to be allergic to the mid-range game either. There's a lot of guys who succeed at the mid-range game. Uh, and I know it's all analytics now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, it would help just mixing things up. And I think that will occur for lots of Well, that, uh, that was proven in the finals, correct? With some of the mid-range jumpers we saw? It was big. It was huge. And it also accelerated a guy getting into the free throw line. Because he didn't settle from the outside. He created contact. So whether you agree with those whistles or not, at least he put, and they let a lot go both ways. Mm-hmm. I really like the physical aspect of the finals. And they didn't blow the whistle that much, but uh, he created contact and did a good job getting inside. So I think Lonzo, that part of his game will grow because he's a big guard. So the first thing I was thinking about, Joel, with the Pelicans and David Griffin, who you know well, you've done shows with on SiriusXM, I was thinking that he really must like what he saw from Alexander Walker uh, to make this deal. Is he, the, is he the future, a guy that can elevate his game? Well, he's going to be very good, and he had a good summer uh, with the uh, Canadian Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Very good summer. Great deal of growth there. But at the same time, they Jonathan, they took a guard last year I like a lot, 13th overall, uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. He's a speed guard. He only just turned 20. So he's got to mature physically. And he's going to be a really good prototypical pick-and-roll guard in today's NBA at about 6'3". So uh, I look for his growth. And Nikhil is kind of a combo, a wing, more than an on-the-ball guy. Because he was a shooter in college at Virginia Tech his two years there. His handle has gotten better. But Nikhil, he's really got a nice stroke. And he's not timid. He, he will take it. And he can also go inside. They showed that at the end of the year a little bit, too. So, Kyra Lewis Jr., though, is your, your classic lead for down-the-road purposes. Speed personified. He's lightning fast. He's got a really good stroke already. Uh, you don't have to work on it. You don't have to fix it. 
and then he should develop the Tony Parker. And I was in San Antonio when Tony got there. Tony couldn't hit a 15-footer regularly. Mm -hmm. But Tony, in his first couple of years, really worked on the teardrop. So speed guards, to me, should have that in the repertoire before they over-penetrate. And I think Kyra will have that. So Kyra combined that with Nikhil Alexander-Walker and some of the other, the two wings they picked up should help, but they just got in the draft, 17 and 35. And that's what they lack more than anything else. So and Jonas Valanciunas is, is a nice, big guy that can hit the, the face-up 15-footer. He's extended his range, but I, I do like the fact that he can go out to the high post and you have to guard him, and that creates opportunities for Zion inside, proper spacing. Uh, I want to ask you about Alex Caruso. Uh, I remember I was doing um, radio for the Windy City Bulls G League team the last couple of seasons, and I remember seeing Alex uh, for the Lakers affiliate, and I said, boy, this is an interesting player, the headband, moving around, doing a little, and he makes it to the NBA, and now here he is with the Chicago Bulls. What do you think of that pickup? Well, he's a good nuisance. You yeah. want one of those guys that's got the dog in them. You need those guys on your team. They're liked by their teammates because they'll do anything. They don't care about numbers. They only care about getting a W and the nitty-gritty. It doesn't have to be pretty. Plus, he's expanded his range since he came in a couple of years ago. So Caruso's a good pickup. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. I think it was, what, about nine a year? Mm -hmm. A little more than nine a year? Yes. On the four-year deal. And we don't know the parameters of it yet. And are all four years guaranteed? So, but they were throwing, it's wild, the money that's going out. It is absolutely <laughs> sensational. I'm happy for the guys. Put it that way. Very I, happy. Uh, whatever the market bears, they deserve because it is the elite of the world when it comes to basketball. Joel, I asked, I uh, reached out to my colleague from ESPN Cleveland, Emmett Golden, about this uh, Jared Allen five-year, one hundred million dollar deal. I said, "What are you guys doing?" He said, "Well, you know, at some point, you know, this we could be able to flip that deal." I said, "When?" And his expiring in his fourth of the fifth year. <laughs> That's amazing money. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. But believe it or not, at this point, because he's so young, uh, that is that's the market right now. Twenty a year for a big who can protect the rim. Look at Gobert has done for that franchise, and, and this guy is just growing into his game. Jared Allen's a talented young man, and he's starting to get a little jump hook around the rim. Who's going to block that? If it he falls away a little bit, it's impossible. So it kind of like that's the going rate or your prototypical big who can really protect the rim. And he does exactly that. He knows his role. He's a double-double guy. And he's a very... He changes shots more than he blocks shots. That's the key for guys like Jared Allen. The, the chain shot. Because that stays in play. Block shot too often goes out of bounds. But the chain shot, that's off the rim and it's going the other way. Uh, I know this is going to sound out like hyperbole, but I think LeBron's going to miss Caruso being that pest. Yeah, can I can I boldly say uh, that Caruso is a better defender at at times than Westbrook? Is that too far? <laughs> well, you know they've already added. They got back. They brought in Ellington. Yeah, uh, they're going to probably end up with Bello before it's all over. Dwight Howard's back with the Lakers, so uh. they're recovering nicely because of the LeBron effect. The ring chasers mm -hmm. guys do want to be with LeBron, and I don't blame them. Uh, he he's a guy that shares the basketball. Now he's ball dominant. But he puts a lot of guys into positions to succeed. And he also, prior to earlier in his career, he made a lot of money for a lot of guys. That so, is true. But now the cap is different, and he and AD take up most of the space. You know what I think, Joel? I think with that deal, 
and I don't know how many games LeBron will play in the regular season. I say we ballpark it and say 60. Well, you've got Westbrook, when healthy, can, that can take over games and help you. Without a doubt, and he's going to, you see, they need somebody to get LeBron off the ball. Mm-hmm. And Russ wants the ball. So that will, from not only a physical aspect of it all, but psychologically during a game, LeBron can relax on certain trips at the offensive end. He doesn't have to create for everybody else. He doesn't have to put them into a position to succeed. So that's not a bad move. But if Russ thinks he's going to be shooting threes, then that is a bad move. Yeah. Because he's not a, he's not a volume guy and he's not a high percentage guy from beyond the arc. But I, I will always love his game. Because everybody should care. No matter what they do, they should be as passionate as Russell Westbrook is. No question. Uh, lastly, and I appreciate your time, I want to get your, your thoughts about what we just saw in the finals with the Milwaukee Bucks. And you know, in sports in general, Joel, there will always be general managers or teams that say, boy, I like what they did. Can we replicate that? And so what I enjoyed about it is what we just talked about moments ago regarding the, you know, it's not about necessarily threes. You have a dominant guy from the foul line down in, in Giannis that when he's dominant and he gets to the foul line and hitting, hitting those foul shots, it's tremendous. I wonder does the game take a little bit of a step back and not be so three heavy realizing that the formula for the Bucks worked you know you didn't necessarily need a lot of threes you had a dominant play uh, in the paint wishful thinking yeah. <laughs> really wishful thinking I don't think anything's changing no. because when Duncan Robinson a guy who wasn't even drafted in 18 got 5 for 90 and then all the other money going to the wings or the shooters uh, whether it's McDermott uh, even a flyer on Zach Collins because he's a stretch four who's not been able to stay on the floor. Unfortunately, he's been hurt. Uh, both those guys going to San Antonio, and that's not good news for the Pels in the Western Conference. Uh, no, I do not think it's going to change. What I do love about the finals, though, Jonathan, is a small market won. Mm-hmm. And a small market won because of loyalty, which works both ways. And I love the fact that Giannis was loyal, the Bucks were loyal to him, but he reciprocated and he showed the loyalty. So that's encouraging for all of us in non-mega markets. Let's face it, there's only New York, Chicago, and L.A. Those are the big three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can throw Boston in there and Philly and some of the other major markets, top five, top ten. Uh, but for all the other markets that are trying to compete, the NFL has been very successful at that. They have had relative parity in comparison to the NBA. As we saw, it was our first finals without Steph or LeBron since 2011. And we've had now four different winners in each of the last four finals. I hope that's a trend because that really is engaging for all of us. That keeps everybody involved. And I don't think I wasn't for the play-in coming in, Mm -hmm. but I think the play-in served its purpose, and that's why it's back. They only did it for next year. They're still trying to figure things out, but it sure was entertaining, wasn't it? It was. Absolutely. Absolutely it was. Well, I am um, looking forward to this new-look Bulls team. At least there's a few adjustments here. Our lead guards here. Caruso's here. So if you're a Bulls fan, things are looking up for once. Because usually in the pre- previous regime, the Bulls would hold on to their core. But as soon as free agency hit, boom, here comes Lonzo Ball. So that's a positive for Connor Chauvis and, uh, and Eversley. Well, and also you've got another assistant general manager there, J.J. Polk. Mm-hmm who has a law degree as well, and you you pilfered him 
from New Orleans. <laughs> Very bright guy. So please give him my best as well. He's sorely missed. You're coming to the East at some point. Where how's that? How's that movement coming with the Pelicans moving to the Eastern Conference? I know you're b- behind this. I don't think Adam Silver wants me to bring it up on a live telecast. <laughs> I know that that's something that you've been well, asking for. Put it this way, Jonathan. Yeah. Here you are. You have natural rivals with the, the, the Saints and the Falcons. Right. Carolina and Charlotte's right there. Mm-hmm. You you have Washington in that division where you got Orlando, Miami, Atlanta, and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is the perfect fit. Now, I know Memphis probably would vote. They would be the perfect fit. But there's already built-in rivalries in the NFL. Carolina and the Saints, Atlanta and the Saints. Uh, it just works. But uh, I don't think they're asking for me to put anything in the suggestion box <laughs> at the office. Just so you know, I'm behind you, Joel, 100%. Yeah. yeah if we go to war, you'll be behind me every That's Absolutely. Yeah, Definitely behind, behind you. you. Not next to you, but behind you, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Joel, as always, I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for giving me some of your time. All right. Thanks for having me on. Ah, there you have it. The great Joel Myers, a veteran voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, trying to cover this deal on all angles. As we were having the conversation with Joel, we looked up at the screen, and indeed, Alex Caruso is a Chicago Bull, solid player, solid defensive player, try-hard guy, absolutely. So again, a couple of good pickups for Karnaschovas and Eversley, have no problem with that. And again, this team is not a complete team as far as um, winning the NBA championship, or even the Central with the Bucks on it. Point is, though, is that I think the Bulls got better on Monday. Don't forget the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Saying what's up to those of you listening on Spotify or the Cap and J-Hood podcast feed. Subscribe. That way you never miss an episode of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Uh, later on this week, we'll have more NBA conversation. We'll review more of the signings that took place in free agency because it's a free agent frenzy this week. And we're covering it right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Stay tuned. There's more coming. Subscribe to the podcast.